0: So, guys, um, this is, uh, first off, welcome to the Night Owl. Um, (laughs) This is the first Night Owl interview um, that I've had on this podcast. Popping cherries over here. Popping all the cherries. (laughs) Um, And I'm excited for this particular guest because uh, not only is he a buddy of mine and a good friend of mine, but someone is very talented and, uh, attractive, um, yeah, very talented, uh, very attractive, obviously. And we have a lot of similarities and it's all horror. So, uh, yeah, everybody welcome Joe, uncle Joe, Joe Bendeli to the crew. Hello everyone.
1: Applause. Hold it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, I like that we're talking to people, but no one is actually here right now. No so it's one's, just you and me. It's just me. And you but and me. I love this. Uh, thank <laughs> thank you for having me on the show. I know you haven't done many of these or any of these, as you just said. Right. Uh, so this is fun. And we're in October, so we get to talk hard.
0: We get to talk all things hard. And the great thing about it I love is, like, um, the first guest I've ever had on the podcast was my mom. And now you're you following. You lying piece of shit. You just said this was the first <laughs> <You> one. <laughs> she, mm. she was the first guest on the Bird Brain. You're the first guest on The Night Owl, so it's like mm. two, two very, you know, I, I think powerhouses. To Fair enough. Least. Yeah.
1: I yeah. And we're both Cowboys fans. so You're both Cowboys You fans. either are going to gain a lot of listeners from that or lose, lose them. So you probably wound lot. up losing them. So <laughs> sorry about that.
0: So before I let you brag about yourself, mm-hmm. um, I want to brag about you to the audience. <laughs> <Okay>. So, <go laughs> you ahead. know, you're... The great thing about it is that we're both in film and you have had a very uh, extensive career in terms of um, your film prowess, in terms of production, directing, acting. Um, you had your own series, Bloods. Yep. Um, Bumbloods.com. Bumbloods.com. Check it out. Uh, you also, you were a producer on a series... Hell House, Correct. Hell House LLC. Mm-hmm. That's the full title, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um Which is funny because I didn't. I've I've watched Hell House multiple times, and it was very much a movie I was looking forward to seeing when it first came out. And then we had a conversation randomly that, and it comes to find out you were the producer. On Hell House. Correct. Um, and also, too, Seclusion is a movie that's out this year or it's in pre-production? What's the no,
1: available? Seclusion actually came out uh, 16 years... No, Seclusion came out in 2015. Seclusion's 2015? been out for a while. Seclusion was my directorial debut, feature directorial debut. Um, so that's been out for... Both Hell House LLC and Seclusion came out the same year. Uh-huh. Uh, Seclusion was a found footage film. Yep. I mean, it's, It wasn't was. It is. It actually it is. is a found footage film. It exists. <laughs> um, but uh, it was a little bit of a smaller budget than Seclusion. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hell House has grown tremendously. We've had two sequels for it. Uh, the third one, Hell House LLC 3, Lake of Fire, just came out on Shudder. It's a Shudder exclusive. That just came out a few weeks ago, so had uh, to shudder and check that out. Yeah, uh, they also have the first and second one there, and then Seclusion um, sort of just died because <laughs> people didn't like it as much. Seclusion as was seclusion. you know, it's uh, uh, my writing and producing partner Matthew Wise. Uh, we we made it together, and it was sort of a love letter to uh, haunted no, not haunted houses. That's Hell House. Yeah. Um, it was a sort of love letter to cabin in the woods type films. Uh, so it's a who done it okay. cabin in the woods film. Um, The story is good. I would say um, the story and the twist is really, really good. But, you know, it was a low budget film. So there were issues along the way, but it's out there. It's on Amazon Prime if anyone wants to check it out. The cast was amazing. The crew was amazing. So, uh, and I think a lot of those people in the next five to 10 years, some of them already, you'd probably be like, oh shit these people are awesome, and then you'll go back and be like, oh, they were in seclusion. So it like, makes perfect sense. Yeah, so so you can say that I'm the reason why they got their success. Yeah, so you didn't have <laughs> me in seclusion, which explains a lot,
0: but I'm not bitter or whatever. It's all good. Yeah. It's, it's well, those
1: people not. are, you know, m- I feel like all of them are going to be like, we wouldn't have done it without Joe, but realistically they're probably all going to be like, uh, why sure. did we do that movie? <laughs> 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 no, but we have we have a great cast. We had a great cast in it. Clea um, uh, Alsip. Um, she's on a ton in a ton of Broadway shows. She's blowing up. Mm-hmm. Dwayne Cooper, uh, Jackie Byrne, Nicole Payson, uh, Allison Wells, Ralph Cash, and great cast, yeah. amazing cast. And then Matt and I both were also in it and. Some people have said some not so nice things <laughs> about the guys who made it being in the film. Some people said some nice things, but yeah. but uh, you know Matt and I have done a lot of things we've written for a while together, and, yeah. and we did *Bum Bloods* together, and we were both the stars of *Bum Bloods*. Yeah, uh, so we have fun. So at the end of the day, that's the whole point of making movies: is to have fun and to entertain people and enjoy it. Yep. Well.
0: First off, shout out to Jackie Byrne. She'll probably never see this, but whatever. You know what? I'm
1: going to make sure Jackie Byrne sees this because she's fucking dope as shit. She's a comedian. She's hilarious. She's,
0: well, Jackie and I, we went to school together.
1: Did you? So I know Jackie Byrne. I did not know that. That's my homie. That's that's amazing. Jack, yeah. Jackie Jackie uh, was just messaging me earlier today. No and, way. Uh, and yeah, I love that girl. I literally, I always say this uh, my film family. Yeah. I think every time I do a project, yeah. I, someone gets added to my film family. Uh-huh. And uh, Jackie is definitely one of those people that every time I do something, I yeah. try to find a way to get her into it.
0: She's a sweetheart. Yeah. And she, again, she's talented. Um, I remember back in school, I loved watching anything that she was in. So uh, yeah, it, it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. So beyond, so you mentioned that you're a writer. That's one of the things I forgot. To mention too is uh you're a big time writer you're a busy boy
1: i am a
0: writer you
1: are a writer <laughs> see
0: he is a writer
1: uh yeah uh i mean i think any any person who aspires to be a filmmaker has to have some form of content creation of ability course. yeah um but yeah um i've been writing pretty much my whole life even before i was a filmmaker uh always trying to make people laugh yeah uh, eventually trying to scare people uh but matt and i have uh have had a really good collaboration. We've written a few feature films together um I've written a couple comedies on my own and uh yeah we've uh, we've actually had some decent success this year in the festival circuit with some of our screenplays. so we're hoping maybe in the next year or two some of the the scripts that we wrote that aren't for hundred thousand dollar budgets. They're maybe a little bit bigger. Hopefully some of those will get made. Um, five billion. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we our first one was a hundred thousand dollars and our second one was five billion dollars. So yeah. fingers crossed. Yeah, it's
0: like, you know what, <laughs> if you want better, you gotta think better. Exactly. Think bigger. So. Exactly. Bless you. Bless you. That's awesome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. So I, I think what's dope is like we have some commonalities in terms of we're both Jersey boys. Um, we're both wearing red shirts. We're both wearing red shirts, which is not an intentional thing. It just kind of happened, which I'm here for. I feel like it, it kind of, like, allows horror to be present.
1: I'm partially colorblind, so for all I know, I could be gray. gray, gray <laughs> green, whatever. That's perfect. That's You're black, right? It eh, <laughs> okay. depends on the okay. sun. The way the sun hits, it okay. varies. I could have sworn. So. <laughs> I'm not
0: sure. <laughs> well, the thing is, is like we're, so we're both Jersey boys. We both are in the film world, you know, one way or another. Uh, Cowboys fans. Um, my mom. Is single my, mother. Single mother. Mama boys. Yes. Mama's boys. Yes. Yep. And I think, it's safe to say, we're doing our moms proud. I would right? think, I, I hope. I hope yeah.
1: so. Yeah, I'm not. Maybe we should call Mary Lynn and see what she thinks.
0: Right. How do you feel about my, my process right now, Mom? I
1: think we're doing good. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure about your mom, but I feel like my mom has been, uh, my mom's had my back every step of the way. I've always yeah. wanted to do random shit, and I've always wanted to be like, I was always that kid or that teenager or that person that was like... I'm gonna try something new, or I'm gonna yeah. do something different, and everyone else is like, "Don't do
0: it, right. don't
1: do it." And my mom was like, "If it makes you happy, do it." So, oh, bless her. Yeah. So she's she's the best. She's a mom and dad all in one. Yes,
0: mm-hmm. I always say it's like when people ask me about my dad, I'm just like, "Well, my mom." I just told you. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what it is. But um, yeah, my I, my mom, she she has my back. But she always says to me, she's like, whatever choice you make, you live with that.
1: You Mm -hmm. live with your decisions. Well, that's because your mom's a cop. Your mom's a hard ass. Yeah. (laughs) So there's that. My mom's a teacher. My mom was a special ed teacher. So my mom, my mom was a little softer. Like, that's
0: my boy. (laughs) Yeah. You do what you want. She has a different level of patience.
1: Yeah. Bless her. Both, both amazing. Yeah. Different types of amazing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So also too, we both enjoy horror but I, I think it's interesting because you know us talking and us um, even ideas and how we write and concepts and everything like that it's clear that we have different approaches to horror like for example what's your your top
1: your top three favorite horror movies Nightmare on Elm Street mm-hmm. original Robert England. okay uh, well Wes Craven but Robert England plays Freddy Krueger shout Everyone out to Wes yeah. Wes Craven um, Uh, Halloween, John Carpenter's Halloween. Yes. And then the other one is tough. I would say it's either, I'd stick with Wes Craven and either say Scream or I would go, and there's so many fucking horror films that I could go with. I'm allowed to curse, right? Oh, okay. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. (laughs) All right. Um, there's so many horror films that I can go with, um, in the eighties and the nineties. Um, but I feel like I'm a, Big fan of blended horror, so it's either going to be something like Saw, which is psychological and, and horror, and horror, yeah, or in the completely opposite direction and like Shaun of the Dead, that's like horror and comedy.
0: Well, it's funny. I I love Shaun of the Dead, Um but it, it was not something that I initially watched. A roommate of mine back in college insisted that we watch it. I was like, all right, whatever. It's usually not my speed because it's zombies, but also it's comedy. But it ended up becoming one of my favorite movies or just something I like to put on to, like, check out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Do you find yourself... Do you think... Although you, you those are your top three horror movies, do you like movies? I think I just named eight movies. But, yeah, those yeah. are my top three.
1: <laughs> so, Saw. Uh, I mean, definitely Halloween and, and Nightmare on Elm Street. Are Nightmare on one, Street. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 1, Halloween 2. And I actually think in terms of filmmaking, Halloween is 1 and Nightmare on Elm Street is 2. But they're both... Number one and two, okay. Um, but uh, but three, it's it's a blend of different things depending on what you want. If you want to go horror comedy, yeah, I'm going one way. If you want to go horror, I'm going the other way. If you want to go psychological, I'm going, going all over the place. Way. But yeah, ultimately, I think uh, I, I'm more into filmmakers who who challenge things and change things. And I think Edgar Wright really did something with horror comedy. I mean, Sam Raimi did the same thing with Evil Dead too. Yeah, um, I love what. Um, uh, what's his name? I can't remember his name, but the guy who directed Cabin in the Woods, uh, Drew. Uh, why can't I? Um, Becky. Yeah, Becky. Becky. Um, no, Joss Whedon's protege. He's amazing. Uh, uh, Drew Goddard. Um, he's amazing. Uh, I like when people try new things, and I think what James Wan did with Saw was a completely new thing that we hadn't seen. Yeah. What Wes Craven did with Scream was something new. It was an, it was a meta horror film. So I like when people take challenge, uh, try new things. And, yeah. And challenge themselves to. You know, they're not afraid to fail and not afraid to take risks um, because audiences can be really harsh. Yeah. Um, but horror is one of those genres where you can fail and then people will accept you again as long as you keep trying and as long as you eventually make something good.
0: Do you think that's your your approach to uh, to like how you write and how you? Um, hmm. I'd say is is that your approach to like your your creative style is like you. You have a structure, or do you go in it like, "All right, we're gonna start this, and then we'll just see what kind of road it well, takes." Well, it's always
1: evolving. I think it's all—it's a big evolution. I think when when mm-hmm. I first wrote my first screenplay I ever wrote was uh, was a comedy, and I think I wrote it to make people laugh. I wrote it to make like my friends laugh, and to, okay. and, to and you know being a Jersey boy, yeah, uh, being a Cowboys fan in in Giants and Eagles territory, being uh you know in a fraternity all of the stereotypes that come along with that type of person yeah um i tried to play up that and and have fun with it okay and then the next feature i wrote was seclusion and i wrote that with matt and that one we i think when we wrote that script it was we were trying to find our voices and i think the goal was to have a a serious twist who done it Make you make you question who the killer is at every moment. Okay, and that was a really really hard writing process, and it took a really long time. But I think what we learned after we made that film was that we took ourselves too seriously because Ah, we and the most successful person that I could think of that this happened to is Sam Raimi because he made The Evil Dead with Bruce Campbell. Yeah, and the movie was kind of campy. Yeah, they made it as a serious horror film, and it kind of had like campiness. It kind of had a ridiculous amount of blood. It went over the top in certain things. So. But then some parts were really mysterious and creepy and then some parts were ridiculous. And I think that's why Evil Dead 2 is sort of a sequel and is sort of a reboot because they decided to take the same story Uh and apply it with a lot more campiness and a lot more humor and a lot more gore and a lot more funny. And that's how Sam Raimi found his voice and that's kind of what he went on to be is that type of director that would have fun with it. And I think think the same thing happened. I remember being in a screening of Seclusion 2016 and... uh, and some we, we did a QA afterwards, and someone raised their hand and they said, um, did you think it was going to be as funny as it was?" <laughs> yeah and right. and I remember being like, no and and Matt was like, yes and answered the question and I was <laughs> yes, like, I was like no, we, we did, totally did. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely scenes in it that are ridiculous, like almost parody type film funny uh-huh. um, that we did purposely, but there are some things that just happened and it's like that wasn't meant to be funny, but yeah. it was. So I think after that, um, you know, when you're, when you're new and you're trying to figure yourself out or whatever, I think a lot of people, you know, I can't speak for everyone, but I think for me, it was like, I wanted to do, I was never one of those kids who was like, I'm such an artistic person that I'm just going to be an Academy Award winner and love everything. And people are going to shower me with money and gifts and, that's and me. success. Yeah, that's you. Yeah, that's That's me. not me. Yeah. So I think, I think my, my thing was. Because I've been told no a lot in my life, yes. and because people shut doors, and because people were always like, no, you can't do this, you're never going to be successful, You n- don't go into film, don't do this, mm-hmm. I think my whole thing that I had to get over first was proving that I could tell a story. So I think, yes. I think earlier in my career, I think my mistakes and my mishaps were, I wasn't trying to uh, change the game, I wasn't trying to do something unique, I was trying to tell a story and make sure that I got the story across. And that just be it. Right? And and obviously that's boring. And obviously yeah. you're not taking risks with that. And I think writing, I caught it quicker. Cause writing I was like, okay, well, let's see. What's something that I like? And eventually it evolved into what kind of stories am I writing? I'm writing stories that I would want to see. Like yeah, every that's cool. every horror fan you meet is a critic, a harsh critic too. They have certain horror films that they love and certain horror films that they fucking hate. And, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you got to think about it. Like, what if I'm writing a horror film or I'm writing a story? I love it. I love where you don't know who the killer is. My favorite. I love comedy. I love when people laugh and joke about things that they're not supposed to laugh about. Okay um, And then I was just like, well, why don't I just write this shit? And yeah. I'm a big believer in writing what you know. If you talk a certain way, yep. if you have a little bit of an attitude to the way you talk, put that into your characters. Yep. I think one of the best examples of it is um, Quentin Tarantino. Like, his character's talk like one of the best parts about his script his scripts and his uh films is that he the characters have amazing dialogue yeah they're authentic they're authentic and the dialogue is so unique right but that's the thing that's how quentin tarantino talks yes he's he's writing in his own voice right but i think some of his his like first ever film that he did not uh reservoir dogs the the dialogue is terrible and it's not terrible because he's a bad writer or he didn't have the right voice. It's kind of... terrible because he didn't have the right people delivering that. And yes. what he learned is he has a very poetic voice in terms of how he deliver, how he writes dialogue, but he needs the right conduit to deliver that dialogue. Absolutely. Someone like Samuel L. Jackson, someone like Tim Roth. Isaiah Frizzell. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so, and that was what he needed to figure out. But yeah. again, you write what you know. Yes. Um, I, I, maybe I'm limiting myself. I don't think I'm ever going to be the type of person that writes a movie about space or Deep Sea, or something like that. I don't think that's going to be me. Yeah. Who knows what my challenges and fears and loves will be in 5, 10, 20, 30 years from now. Yeah. But I think, you know, for me, I'm fascinated. There's certain things that I am writing about that are very, very, very true to, like, my life and yeah. my family's life and things that we've gone through uh-huh. and things that friends have gone through. And, you know, I'm 35. I've already lived a decent life so, so far. No, so I feel yeah. like there's some experience there. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know you see movies out there and you're like oh, the same shit over and over and over again and I think right. that's what we did with our first one it was like it was, we still think it's okay but or good or maybe or yeah. who the fuck yeah. knows but, yeah. but but we were trying to play to an audience the Cabin in the Woods audience we were trying yeah. to play to a genre audience and just give them a lot of what they already knew and then change it a little bit mm. and I think I, th- I think we went about it the right way but I yeah. think we failed because we should have been trying to instead of trying to you know, pay homage or do this love letter to this genre Just and, do your and shit. follow the same pattern. We should have done everything in the same world, but then fucked up that pattern. Of and course. Challenged it and done different things. Cause that's what the film Cabin in the Woods did was yeah. they made a film about A bunch of teens going, or a bunch of yeah, I guess college kids, college kids going to who are actually in their thirties. Uh, but college kids going (laughs) into the cabin in the woods, and it was completely changed on the side, and it's funny as shit too. So yeah, so I think I think the more I write, the more I'm leaning horror comedy is the way to go. I was gonna say that
0: I think that's um, I was I was gonna ask you about that too because I I definitely when I asked you about horror, I feel like your niche is um. Is horror comedy, yeah. You know, basically from what we talk about, even movies that we've exchanged or even saw together is like you're you're good at it. Mm-hmm. I think um, for me, it's Sorry. okay. He didn't don't, need it. don't punch it. Right? <laughs> um, it is, and I think like you, the the funny thing about it, and I think what's dope about you is that one, it's hard to make a horror movie, a successful horror movie, right? And two, I personally feel like it's hard to be funny because I don't laugh at everything and there's next to nothing that really scares me. Mm -hmm. So like when somebody can deliver on both of them, like you said, Scream is good. Um, Scream is dope. Um, There's a couple other ones out there, but. Like I think that's it it takes a certain kind of mind to be able to produce a very funny and scary movie at the same time.
1: I agree with you. And and you know what's funny? Like people always say, especially I mean this happened when I was in film school, people always said they say horror is hard and comedy is hard. And mm-hmm. that's why everyone, you know, kind of leans toward drama because drama drama's like the generic thing to do. What fuck was that? But, no drama. but I've never felt that way. I've always yeah. felt like comedy and horror were easier. But I don't think they actually are easier. I just think it's about who you are. And for me right. in general, my two favorite things to do are make people laugh and scare the shit out of people. So it's Simple. natural that that's something that I would gravitate toward and like. Yep. Now, whether I'm successful at it, I think that's that's for people to decide. But you are. But what I enjoy doing and what I like doing is making people laugh and scaring people. And I think, I think the reason why I like those feelings and why yeah. I like eliciting those emotions from people is because their guttural reactions that are physical. Yeah. Like you actually have a physical reaction right. to something. And I think I've always been mesmerized by the fact that you can have a physical reaction to a scream, to something that's not even real. So something that's right, right in front wow. of you. You can have a physical reaction to you know, people, aren't, people can't go to sleep at night. People are scared. Yeah. People are giggling. They're crying with laughter. Yeah. Um, that opening scene in American Pie where Jim's fucking masturbating and his dad and his family all walks in on him and all that shit. Yeah. Or his dad walks in on him and sits down with him. Like, that's hilarious. And like, yeah. you know someone in the world has experienced that. Right. But but that was really funny. And like, you're getting this reaction in the audience where they're crying and they're laughing. And and that's from watching a screen. So I, I think I, I, those have always been... My favorite thing to do, but yeah. again, I'm also fucking weird as shit. Like I, I'm the type of person. I remember I went to a, uh, I went to a funeral. I think I told you this, but yeah. Um, but for <laughs> our viewers, <laughs> for our viewers, I went to a funeral with my mom, and uh, I remember saying in the car on the way there, I was like, I don't want to. I don't want to go up to the casket. Like, I don't want to, like, say my final goodbyes. And she was like, oh, you must be sad. Like, you must be, you know. And I was like, no, I'm not sad. Like, it's a natural thing. Everyone dies. Right. But, and she was like, well, that's grim. And I was like, I'm sorry, it's true. But um, but I was like, no, I was like, I kind of have this feeling that, you know, you're going to lean up and, and, and say goodbye and they're going to open their eyes and be like, gotcha, bitch, or some, some <laughs> shit like that. And I was like, and my fear is not scared. My fear is I'm going to start laughing because right. all I'm going to picture is that happening. <laughs> and and I told her that and my mom was like, you're, you're an idiot. And, right. <laughs> and then we went into the funeral and we went up together to the casket and we're sitting over saying, I guess, paying our final respects and then my mom just starts laughing <laughs> and and i was like okay everything i just told her in the car she's thinking about right now and <laughs> and we had to walk away cuz we looked like those assholes but in general like I find things funny. Like, obviously, I don't find tragedy funny. I don't think. I don't think it's you know when when something really bad happens to people. I don't want that to happen. I don't think that. But but I'm also you know I'm I'm kind of very into old school comics. I like I don't like the PC world that we're living in. I I think it's good to be respectful of other people's cultures. But I also I'm a big believer of making fun of every person. Yeah. Make fun of uh, equal opportunity. Equal opportunity. (laughs) Yeah. Fun of people. So I'm a big believer in. You know, humor and making people laugh and having fun. And if you can apply that in horror, every horror film had, I think even the the deepest, darkest horror films, there's something funny about those things too. Yeah. And I think that's also why, I mean, I'm into psychological stuff. I'm into sleep issues. I'm an insomniac. So I think a lot of that is why I love Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. But I also think about it like when you think of Halloween uh, not halloween when I mean, you think of horror icons yep. you think of movies like halloween and michael myers <clears throat> ooh getting raspy there yeah you think of oh, um yeah it's the uh it's the uh raspy voice for the we're here we're here yeah you yeah you're not doing your uh your uh night your, your night owl voice i want to hear more of that <laughs> Um, But anyway, so you think of Michael Myers, you think of Freddy Krueger, you think of Jason Voorhees, you think of Chucky, you think of Pinhead, you think of all these iconic horror villains. And again, my favorite is Freddy. And when I really think about that, why is Freddy my favorite? It's because he's funny. He's the only one who has a personality. He's the only one that will joke while he's murdering someone. And... I connect to that because I You're joke when I murder people. Right.
0: Simple. <laughs> it's like I identify with you because you were my idol. <laughs> you psycho. It's funny. I think my favorite, uh, I'd say Michael Myers is yeah. my favorite. And I don't know. I. It's funny because Halloween is my top horror movie. So we also have that. But it's like I think, um, you know, in terms of simplicity, That's my approach to a lot of horror movies. Like, there are a lot of people that, like, (laughs) we'll go back to this, but The Witch. Remember (laughs) I mentioned that. Yeah. Um, Halloween, I love it so much because of the realism and the possibility of it being a a true story. Like, something that you hear on the news. Oh, okay, this suburban town, Halloween night, some guy's dressed up as whoever, and he's going on a killing spree. Mm Mm-hmm. That's not too far fetched. I agree. You know, and I think what's great about the movie in itself is that I don't think there's any blood in the movie. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, so the environment and the atmosphere created the horror and the fear, and what this guy was doing, it didn't need blood, Mm -hmm. you know? And um, I love when movies can make kids, all right, so. Like saw
1: you're jumping let's into go. the uh, suspense versus gore debate. Well, I think let's it, do it.
0: It's just one of those things for me. I'm I'm like
1: my my
0: approach to scary and like y- you've probably even heard of the night owl stories. They're short horror stories. Mm-hmm. Usually, there's no anything about. Someone being stabbed or murdered or blood gushing. Yeah,
1: but I also think it's about the medium. Uh, yeah. When you're listening to someone tell you a story on the radio or on a podcast or something He's like coming. that. Yeah. Yeah. It, the, the the murder is not scary. It's yeah. The suspense building is, up to it. Right.
0: The psychological but,
1: aspect. But I, I will say this. So I I'm probably in the same boat with you. Like suspense is better than gore. Yeah. But I also think you we all need to adapt with the times because yeah a lot of what was happening. A lot of what happens in politics and in the government and in wartime reflects in horror films. So when, you know, when horror films started coming out and when, uh, you know, when people are getting murdered and then there's slashers or whatever, like, that's after, you know, that's like um, mid-post-Vietnam. It's when we started seeing these horrific things happen to people, um, you know, the Cold War, when we started seeing uh, um, all of these things happen to people and was like, holy shit, this stuff is actually real. Like, people can get... Murdered in a battlefield or whatever, right. and I think, I think a lot of what happens is as we grow older uh-huh. and newer generations come up, yeah, they're exposed and they're desensitized to a lot more, big time. Like yeah. I think a kid growing up today, like a sixteen-year-old today, yeah, is exposed to a lot more stuff. Like a kid growing up, a kid that was sixteen years old today, yeah, has experienced um, police shootings, yeah. has experienced school shootings. Has yeah. experienced terrorist attacks. Yeah, sixteen-year-old growing up by me when I was sixteen years old. What year was that? Uh, that was eighteen, twelve. Two, <laughs> that was that was ninety-nine, two thousand. Like nine eleven never even happened at yeah. that point yet. So you know, I think the biggest disaster that happened was um, the uh, th- was it the the Unabomber? Yeah, it might have been the Unabomber. Um, oh, the but... uh, school, the preschool? No, no, no. no. In uh, the Unabomber. In uh, the Midwest, yeah. It's so. I guess
0: I was. You don't too even young. know. You're too fucking young. Yeah. Um, so okay. So I'm talking
1: to a six year old. Uh, so, but yeah, but like, but like the first World Trade Center attack um, yeah. and the Unabomber in the 90s. That was that was the biggest thing. And because social media wasn't around, because the internet wasn't around, because those things weren't around. If, if it's not national news, you're not He's hearing about guy. it all the time. Right. But now a 16-year-old is used to, and I don't know why I keep picking 16, it could be any fucking age. That's the but, age. But they're, but they're experiencing all of these things. And I, I always say this, and this is really a harsh reality, but um, just like porn, like when I was growing up, like you had to sneak a magazine to see, yeah. you know, to see a topless chick. Right. But nowadays, like any person can go online and type in Pornhub and Access. you could see yeah. everything. Yeah. And it's the same way with, murder and it's the same way with gore and all that kind of stuff like you can go on youtube or you can google you know al-qaeda killing people or isis killing people Mm -hmm. and see that shit and it's real it's very very real i'm not recommending uh don't do that at home i'm not not recommending people do that but you have that access yeah so i think younger people and younger generations i think if you tell a fantastic suspenseful story yeah i think you might get some people but i think you'll also get some people that are like that's not scary I think because they. Oh yeah, that makes. I think sense. I think wow. this day and age, you have to balance psychological and suspense with gore. You so have no blood and gore, no blood. But I think you know, that brings up the the great debate because there's a group <laughs> of filmmakers in the early 2000s that uh, you know that started the whole torture porn thing. Yeah, um, dude, and, I was not for it. And you had people like I think uh, I think they called them the Slat, the Splat Brothers. So you had like Darren Lynn Bossman, you had uh, Eli Roth, you had had people that made those films that were kind of just to show the ridiculous gore, and I think a lot of people put James Wan and Saw in there, and I think they're wrong for putting that in there, because if you really watch Saw, Saw is not about the gore, Saw is more about the psychological aspect of it. I mean, this guy is doing this because he's literally been given a death sentence, right? and he feels like it's his duty duty to make sure that people take you know their last breath and and do something with it or something like that he's on this he believes he's on this like you know he's like esque path yeah where he's supposed to he's the righteous one and he's teaching you the right way and the wrong way and like that's very psychological and the fact that the dude's that's fucking true. laying in the middle of the fucking bathroom the whole fucking movie was and great no one knows it that's amazing like, yeah. that's that's very um you know that's very whodunit esque, yep. um, and 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 all that psychological, all that's mystery. Yeah. And but the way the people died is very vicious, and right. I think I think it balanced that suspense and gore very very well. And I think I mean, granted, in the last five years you've had some good filmmakers up and coming that are that are you know starting to put their stamp on horror. Yeah. But I mean, post Wes Craven, what's the name that you think of when you think of horror? James Wan.
0: Isaiah Frizzell.
1: And Isaiah Frizzell. <laughs> so, so yeah. So, I think, uh, I think, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in suspense. I'm a big believer in telling um, a good story. Like, I think it follows was a good suspenseful horror film. I just had that conversation. Um, yeah. But those are one once in a blue moon that you get one that's like all suspense because, I mean, well,
0: Paranormal Activity. You, true. I mean, you have. Uh, I don't know. Are we? Are we allowed to?
1: What do you want to say? I don't know. Are you talking about my, the, yeah, what I'm working on? Sure. Yeah, sure. Uh, I am, it's, It's. I feel like it's been announced, but it's not released, but I am about a month or two away from being done in production on the, uh, I'm directing the documentary about the Paranormal Activity franchise. So that's, that's fun. I've learned a lot. Um, yeah. From going from Hell House to the Paranormal Activity, I've learned a lot about found footage in the last few years. So, yeah. Um, But I think that's a
0: prime example, like Paranormal Activity is a prime example of what it is, um, like a movie that's completely revolved around um, psychological and suspense, because the way I see it, the the reason why I love that movie is like, all right, you had a movie theater full of people at the end of the movie, or like you hear the footsteps, you hear this, each person in that movie theater had a different depiction of what that monster looked like. Mm -hmm. And that's why I thought it was brilliant, because it was a way for everybody to have a visceral response to what's going on and a mental response, but you don't see it.
1: True. But but here's the thing that I would say to that, and this is where I say the once in a blue moon thing. Yeah. You ask a general audience, not a horror fan, a general right. audience, what's a found footage film or name a found footage film? Blair Witch. They'll say Blair Witch Project. <laughs> yeah, that's ask true. them to name another one, they'll say Paranormal Activity. Ask yeah. them to name number, another one, they have no fucking idea. Like... That's there's been, there's been thousands of found footage films and people don't remember them because yeah. they all kind of go together. They're all the same thing. They're all none of them really stand out except for those two really. That's and, true. And granted, there are a lot of yeah. really good found footage films out there. Yeah. There are some. A lot of filmmakers have really made their name yeah. by doing found footage, and then yeah. you have uh, you know the Spanish film wreck Cloverfield. You have a lot of films that are found footage that are really really good. Yeah. But um, it's a great medium that I think should kind of start applying to most genres and not just horror um and people have taken people have taken chances with it um and done it i think they did the superhero one um they did uh they did a few others and there were some comedy ones or whatever but yeah i think i think found footage is a great genre to play with and and it's definitely a low budget genre but back to the point um you don't see It's few and far between in terms of how many of those that are groundbreaking, but that's the thing. Paranormal Activity, that franchise is by far the most successful and the best found footage franchise of all time. I believe it's a billion dollar franchise, and it's the most profitable film franchise of all time. Like, you can't really, like, if you start comparing other found footage films like Hell House, for instance, or you compare them to... um, you know, uh, Lake Mungo, or compare it to... Lake Mungo, yeah. uh, You know, compare it to Grave Encounters and compare it to those things. Like, again, general audiences probably don't know what those movies are. Right. And, you know, they all kind of fall in line. It's like a bunch of people with a camera. They go into a house. They go into a a cemetery. They go into um, a mental institution. They go into a place and film some stuff. Yeah. And then eventually shit happens and paranormal shit happens. Death. Yeah, exactly. So (laughs) so I'm with you, but... Yeah, you know what I always say. <clears throat> paranormal Activity did what I think Nightmare on Elm Street did for mm. Paranormal Activity did for found footage films. What Nightmare on Elm Street did for slasher films. It's, okay, because before both of them, yeah, let's talk slashers. Before Nightmare on Elm Street, slashers were all about a guy in a mask. Or yep. someone in a mask, not a guy. Could be a girl, too. Um, <laughs> could some, be a lady killer. Some Someone in a mask yeah. killing someone. Yeah. And the body count being high mm-hmm. and it being bloody and all that kind of shit. Yep. Um, It took Nightmare on Elm Street for it to not only be a psychological thing. Yeah. But it also to be, like, you could watch Friday the 13th and be like, that was scary. I'm scared. But... I don't have to go home. Deal with that. I don't have to go. I am not going into the woods anytime in the near future, so I am good. Like child yeah, no, might. No one's gonna come out. Uh, Miss Voorhees isn't gonna come after me. Jason's not gonna come yeah. after me. You could watch Halloween and then be like, "Well, I am not Michael Myers' brother, or I am, yeah. uh, you know, I am not in Haddonfield, or I am not, you know." And so you feel that disconnect with Nightmare on Elm Street. Even though, yeah, you can dive in and be like, "Well, I wasn't one of those." Uh, sons or daughters of the parents that killed Freddy Krueger, take that out of it for a second. Everyone needs to go to sleep. Everybody goes to sleep. Yeah. Everyone needs to go to sleep. So it took something that was really scary, and instead of it being like, well, it's just the one off place that you go to, it's this one off camp that you go to, it's this one off town that you're in, it was like, everyone has to go to sleep. This hits everyone. So that's true. you will have nightmares because these people have nightmares. And yeah. it's just, it brought, it took everything and put it in your home.
0: Yes. And, yes. That's, and
1: that's what paranormal activity did because Blair Witch Project. Was a thing before it, but Blair Witch Project, which was great, but Blair Witch Project was in the woods. It was witches, it was in the woods, it was this people looking for this, and you could leave that and be scared and be like, okay, well, I'm not going in the fucking woods. Like, I'm not going hide looking for this. Paranormal activity took the found footage approach and And put put it it into your your home and put it into like when you sleep at night. Like, one of the scariest things I think in paranormal activity is when, uh, it's when. Katie wakes up in the middle of the night and stands over Mika. Yeah. And then it kind of fast forward and she's standing over him for like three hours. Yeah. Like that stuff's scary because it's stuff that you don't know what happens when you're sleeping. And you like, and if you're sleeping and your partner's in the bed next to you, like how do you know that they're not waking up and staring at you? How do you know that they're not possessed? And it's like, yeah, granted, they're probably not, but they I th- are. <laughs> but, but I think it plays on those fears, and it's like, yeah, well, you're not in a, in you know a cabin in the woods. You're not in a tent in the woods. You're right. in the comfort of your own home, and you're terrified. And I think those that's films different. are few and far in between, and that's why people like Wes Craven yeah. and Oren Pelly That's why they are who they are.
0: That's true. I like that. See, guys, he's a very brilliant mind. Crazy, but brilliant nonetheless. Uh, speaking of crazy, dude, my tattoos. Your ink. I've been waiting to bring that up. Well, you can see some. You can some people see. can see. I don't know if anyone's going to be able to see this. Well, you um, can narrate them. Like, okay. give Bob Ross voice as
1: you describe <coughs> describe so, each so one. Basically, we have brush strokes on. No, I uh, I have one sleeve, and believe me, I know that when I got this. Uh, It was one of those, when you do this, people are going to look at you differently for the rest of your life. Yeah. But I have my face tattooed. No. uh, (laughs) um, I have have two sleeves um, of tattoos, and one sleeve is all iconic horror villains to me. They're not necessarily... I mean, yes, they do have the original three on here. Yeah. um, But they are what I would call the most... Influential horror icons in my life, like okay. what has either scared me or terrified me. Uh-huh. Um, so, I have Fred, and, and closest to me, like by my shoulder, like the closest to my face and closest to my heart, is like the, is, is the scariest. And then the furthest away from me is the least scariest in Dude, terms of these. So, that's interesting. So, I have Freddy Krueger right next to me. Mm-hmm. Then, kind of on both sides going down my arm, I have Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees. Yeah. And then you move down, and in the elbow area, you have Ghostface because. Even though when you look back on on iconic killers, Ghostface, because they've made Four Screams and because they parried it with a Scary Movie yeah. and made five or six or 20 of those... Yeah, um, right. It may not be that scary, but, again, it goes back to the concept of, of a person in a mask. Of course. And I was terrified of Scream when it came out. Yeah. So that one sits in the middle. And then below that, I have Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Love her. And Pinhead, <laughs> and Pinhead from uh, Hellraiser. But the fun thing about this was I originally went to my tattoo artist, who's awesome, um, and I told him that I wanted to do ten horror icons on my arm. And, ten. Okay. And he was like, okay, great. And he's like, but... And he started looking at my arm and drawing up things. And he's like, you're going to have to cut it down to eight. And I was like, okay, why? And he's like, because I want people to look at your arm and know who they are. He's like, I want them to be a far distance away and see that that's Freddy Krueger on your your arm. That guy's crazy. He's like, if we do 10, you're not going to be able to see it unless you're up close and personal. Okay. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. So I narrowed it down to eight and then we started doing work. And then after he did the first two, Mm -hmm. he was like, we're probably going to have to cut it down to seven or six. And so he's like, he's like you're not going to be able to fit them all in. So eventually we wound up getting done, and we put the six on them that I just said. Okay. So we do have four icons that are not on my arm that are very influential to me, but they, mm. don't, they don't exist. They don't. Would you like to know who they are? Hell yeah. Okay. So I believe uh, number seven, the next one was Chucky from Child's Play. Okay. Uh, the next one after that was Pennywise from It!, um, and mm. I think just in general, clowns scare the shit out of people. Yeah. Thank you, John Wayne Gacy. Um, yeah. <laughs> but then the other two, and this was a hot topic. This was a this is this is a, a nerve wracking thing. So, granted, you could say that technically the face of Pinhead and the face of Freddy Krueger are technically the actors who play them, but mm-hmm. they have the makeup on. They have all that other kind of stuff. Right. I am a big believer of not putting someone's face on your skin because if I did, like for instance, if I was doing a comedy thing, yeah, and I just. In, you know, I was gonna do uh Jim Carrey from Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. I was gonna do Lloyd Christmas. Yeah. If I put Lloyd Christmas's face on me, it's Jim Carrey's face. Like I'm getting I'm getting another person's t- face tattooed on me. Oh, and I don't yeah. know Jim Carrey. Like I love him, but I don't know him. Right. Why the hell would I tattoo his face on my body? You know Leatherface so, and Pinhead. Correct. Out. Yeah, they're right. tight. Yeah. Um movies. but but uh the other two characters were hard because their characters aren't necessarily it's the actors it's they're not wearing masks they're not doing you know something creepy to their face they're not behind anything and i see you're you're wondering who these two people are i will say that both of these are extremely iconic horror villains extremely iconic but they are men okay and uh if I got their faces, it would be the actors' faces. I had a creative way of how I wasn't gonna do that, and I'll tell you that in a second, but oh, I want okay. you to guess who who they are. It's funny because I was like, I'm gonna do
0: some trivia for you, but I'm gonna yeah, Plot yeah. twist. Um
1: How's it taste, motherfucker?
0: <laughs> it's bitter. Can you use some sugar? Uh who who two two harm heart icons and their their actual faces? Mm-hmm. Are we um are they like classics? Uh
1: one of them I would say is one hundred percent. Jack Nicholson is one of them no, or no? No. Oh no. Okay. Uh, no, get out of here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um
1: Earlier than that.
0: Earlier than a shine
1: Mm-hmm. He also was a mama's boy. Oh, uh,
0: but, but, but Norman Bates? Correct. Okay, yeah. that's so one that of That would have
1: been Anthony Perkins' face on yes. my body. But the thing that I was going to do if I got it was I was going to do the silhouetted uh, him with in the shower scene where you can't see his face. Classic scene. Yeah, so that was 9 and then 10. And 10 gets talked about a lot because 10 technically isn't a horror film, it's considered a thriller film, but okay. it, it was the first film that kind of bridged that gap, and uh-huh. it was also the first horror-thriller film to win an Academy Award. It's not Clockwork Orange, mm-hmm. is it? Um,
0: uh, was it before Psycho or after?
1: Uh, it was in the 90s, early 90s. It's a movie about serial killers and the FBI. Seven? No. Good,
0: good guess, but earlier than that. A movie about serial killers in the FBI.
1: The FBI works with a serial killer. To oh, track Hannibal Lecter? Correct, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, that makes sense. And I would have got it with him with the mask on when they were transporting him. Okay, so that would have been Anthony Hopkins' Correct. face. But he's a great person to have on your body. Sure. but uh, And then you brought up another good point, which is a lot of people always say to me that, oh, you have you have a bunch of serial killers on your arm. And I'm like, fictional serial killers. Sure, Jan. <laughs> fictional. <laughs> I don't actually have, like, John Wayne Gacy and Ted Bundy on my arm, and I'm yeah. in support of murder. Like, You know what? I'm that... in support of art, not right. murder.
0: <laughs> that's valid, because that would be some shit if somebody... Was on Oh man They're flying low tonight Flying low Um We'll hold for plane Hold for plane Hold for plane What's the minutes on there? What's it
1: say? 45-32 Oh sweet (laughs) You're supposed to clear your throat Into the mic right? (laughs) (sighs) (sighs) Uh -uh.
0: Uh. I could do this for hours I love it (sighs) You're a mess. So, the um, what was I going to say to you? Fictional serial killers. Yeah, fictional serial killers. I, 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 you have a valid point because I think if I saw someone walking down a street with like, you know, John Wayne Gacy, uh, BTK, that's, Charles fucked up. Manson, that's, that's fucked up. fucking twisted because yeah. you're literally idolizing someone who did some real. Shit to real people. And listen,
1: I know that a lot of these films are inspired by things. Like, of course. Uh, you know, so, but, and, and that natural, like you're trying to scare people. You're trying to, you know, play on their fears. But I think uh, when I first came to LA, I went to the uh, Museum of Death. Yeah. How was that? I've never uh, been. Weird. Yeah. Um, every, everyone was like, you would love this, Joe. You would love this, Joe. And I guess because I have fictional. Serial killers tattooed on my arm. Yes. People assume that I just love murder. Right. Um, so, like, guys, it's not the same thing. Well, I had an issue with two things. So first off, it was really, really, really weird to me because like when people make money off of Nightmare on Elm Street, when people make money off of Freddy Krueger, yeah. you're making money off of a fictional character. Right. When you start making money off of Gacy... Are off of Bundy, or off, like, you're selling tickets so that people can see what they did to people. I kind of have an issue with that. I Yeah, I don't want to see I, that. I, I, listen, I don't want to judge people for what they do. Make your dollar, it's America, do whatever you need to do. Right. But at the same time, I felt uncomfortable. I yeah, was like, this is absolutely. weird. Like, I have just paid to see these brutal murders. Like, yeah. this is weird. So that was one. And then the second thing was, and this is, and don't get me wrong, I am not on his side on this. Um, but the crazy ass that is O.J. Simpson, they had an entire section for O.J. Simpson, and I was like, wait a second. I was like, sure, everyone knows he did it. Everyone, you know, No one questions that. He wrote a book um, about it. Yeah, everyone knows he did it, <laughs> right. but technically, according to our judicial system, he, he did didn't it. do it. <laughs> he said if I did do it. Correct, but again, you're putting serial killers in this museum of death right? and going from one serial killer to the next, to yeah. the next, and then you go to someone who was accused yes. but was never convicted. And that, that was and that's what I found strange. I yeah. was like, that's weird. I'm like this whole section is about uh Nicole Brown Simpson's murder. Yeah. And it was like, well, this is a, this is just a murder. Like yeah. if you're going to yeah. do this, why don't you just have sections of murders? Like just right. regular murders all over the place.
0: We have this murder over here Yeah, in exhibit F.
1: Yeah. So, Absolutely. So I found that uh, I found that a little weird because it was like, well, he wasn't actually convicted and he wasn't yeah. actually he's not in the same, in my opinion, he's not in the same category as these other people. I agree because he's not like getting people in their sleep and also, you know, just doing reckless shit. I mean, when you look at Ted Bundy, like it was years of murdering people and years of all this shit. Yeah, and I'm Homeboy not saying had history. And, and all of those serial killers. Did, yeah. But yeah. But when you look at OJ Simpson, like that's like you could call it a crime of passion, but one, he was never convicted. And yeah. again, I agree. I, I, I believe that he was guilty. I'm not yeah. saying he wasn't, but, but you know, he he wasn't convicted. So it was kind of someone being like, yeah, let's just put it in there anyway. Yeah. And then two, you know, he murdered allegedly <laughs> two people right. in a fit of passion. Um, right. he it wasn't go. like he went on a murder spree for, that we know of it wasn't like he went yeah. on a murder spree for 15 years and was hiding all these bodies in his basement or something so I don't, I don't think it's the same I don't right. think it's the same when you're comparing them to all of these you know Other. big time serial killers that, that are kind of I guess the famous serial killers I agree that
0: you make a good point um, yeah well you, well you put it that way so basically you're just telling everybody look if you see my horror tattoos don't judge me because I'm not that dude. Like, don't judge a book by its by, cover. Don't judge a book by its cover. Some books you should judge by the cover because they're boring as shit. Um, that's real talk. But he's not a boring book, guys. He's mm-hmm. he's he's a nice book. Correct. Thanks. It's a great Appreciate book. that. I got you, bro. Um,
1: so, what is your seven inches? I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. What were you gonna ask? <laughs>
0: I was gonna say you're you're um you know, we've talked about like realistic well not realistic, but like human um killers and in- Entities and stuff like that. In 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 reality in your personal life, do you what's
1: your thoughts on like paranormal ghost and all that? Sure. Like, what's your space? So my whole life growing up, slasher films are what defined me as a horror fan yeah. and a filmmaker. Yeah. Um I've always been drawn to slashers because I've always known that those are real. Like I've always uh-huh. known that people kill people. I've always known that your next-door neighbor could be a murderer. I've always, like, yeah. again, from the whole last group of serial killers we were just discussing, yeah. that shit is real. That yeah. shit happens. Yeah. Um, there are mentally ill people who do things to people yeah. and, you know, could be in the suburban home, could be in rural, you know, Georgia, could be wherever. Yeah. So that stuff always scared me more because I knew it was real. Okay. There was no question over can that happen? It was like, no, that does happen. It's just the story that I'm watching or reading or whatever right now, that's someone's, you know, fabrication of what could happen. But right. I believe that it could happen. Paranormal type stuff and like entity type stuff and possession movies and demon movies and things like that, I've always had a mixed bag with them. Okay. Um I think growing up they scared they scared me zero percent. I was not afraid of them at all. Like I think a lot of times when you ask someone what their favorite horror film is, yeah. I think take the passion, take the love, take the unique whatever, you usually get one of two answers. Cinderella. Cinderella. My... Or or Aladdin. Uh,
0: Yes, or Aladdin. (laughs) No, you
1: usually get one of two answers. John Carpenter's Halloween or The Exorcist. Those are usually the two answers that you get. That's true. And I think if you're a slasher person, you get Halloween. Halloween. If you're a demon possession person, you get The Exorcist. Well, it's funny because... Like, have you had any, like, real-life experiences with paranormal? Well, so, and that's, that, I mean, I guess that goes back into my, my answer is, as I've gotten older, because a lot of paranormal stuff and a lot of demon possession and all that kind of stuff, in some way, shape, or form ties to religion and spirituality. Yes. And I think as I've gotten older, I'm not a religious person by any means, but I'm a spiritual person. Right. And I think as I've gotten older, I think I'm, I'm an open-minded person that I, I don't shut the door on things yeah. that I don't know or haven't seen. Yeah. So I think when it comes to demons, possessions, all that kind of stuff, and supernatural, yes I guess is the better word to use. When it comes to supernatural, I know that I've never seen it. Okay. I know that I've never witnessed it. Yeah. So I'm not scared of it. Right. But I don't close the door on it not being a possibility. Okay. But that being said, when it comes to horror that's why slashers are scarier to me because, because I they were know rumors. I know they're tangible. I know they're real. Yeah. Whereas supernatural films. But here's the thing: if I'm wrong, and yeah. if supernatural does exist, and if yeah. demons do exist, then it tips the scale completely in the demon direction. fuck your shit. Yeah, up. exactly. So. <laughs> But I I have not experienced anything. Okay. I've tried to. I've stayed at haunted houses. I was, that I was, was like, my next yeah. question. I was
0: like, would you would if somebody paid you to stay in a haunted house, would you? Yeah, I forgot
1: that? the I forgot the place, but it was in upstate New York, maybe or Connecticut. Um, there's a haunted house up there. Uh, it was like a mansion, and my buddy Cameron Munson and I went to this place, and yeah. uh, he knew the person who owned it. Okay. And they let us stay over by ourselves, and yeah. literally we walked around the entire night, and like with cameras and lights, and like exactly. we're trying to film. Nothing happened, but. Um, I mean, if something happened, I wouldn't be here probably. Right. But, but um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've tried to do things. I think the older I've gotten, the more I'm like, you know what? I don't really want to try. Right. <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm fine with living in, in ignorance. In over peace. Here. Yeah.
0: Cause I think as you get older, like a ghost, like coming for you and fucking your shit up, you, you, well, you're well, not she, able to fight back,
1: but not even that it would change how you view Everything, everything. Everything. I mean, when you go to bed at night and you jerk off by yourself. Right. Someone's watching you. Like it would change everything. Every (laughs) single aspect of what you do would be changed. You would no longer feel like you're alone ever. I never feel like I'm alone. Well, then you're weird. That's the issue. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, it's funny. Well, what, what do you feel? I mean, what, where's your well, supernatural slasher feelings? Well, it's funny
0: because people say the exorcist has scared them and everything like that. The exorcist never scared me. Um, like you said, it ties to the whole religious uh, aspect of it. Me personally, I've had some experiences as a kid, mm-hmm. um, more uh, more as a kid than a, uh, an adult. But like my I used to see people call them shadow people. Mm-hmm. So as a kid I saw a lot of that. Uh, which to me was like weird. Also like this weird mystique, something I couldn't necessarily talk about because I'm like, if I mention this to my mom, she's just gonna be she's like, No, it didn't happen. Yeah, you or, get judged or, or yeah. you get told you're so was seeing like, things. Right. Like, so now I see things and I just keep it to myself. But also like um sleep paralysis. Like I I have sleep paralysis episodes and there's this movie on um, this documentary on Netflix called The Nightmare. Mm-hmm. So I, I would never forget. And I, I've told this story in a previous episode, but basically, there was um, sleep paralysis. Is your, for anyone who doesn't know what that is, is like you're caught in between uh, being awake and asleep, but your body, you can't move. So you're paralyzed, mm-hmm. but you're very aware of what's going on around you. And when I was, I think, 13, 14, I saw this guy with a brim hat standing at my door, but I couldn't move. Um, and he had a trench coat, long trench coat, tall top hat, whatever. And I told my mom about it at the time, and it became this ongoing joke. So uh, I had watched this Netflix uh, documentary called The Nightmare about Sleep Paralysis. And then there was one segment where everybody kept talking about the man, the man in black, or the man with the hat and there was a sketch of what this guy looked like and literally, to a T, what I saw Mm -hmm. as a kid. And um, I've had episodes prior to that and I've seen like something looming over me prior to that, but that messed me up because I was like, the fact that someone else is seeing it Makes it a little bit more real yeah. now. Um, so yeah, I, I I I have a very healthy um, level of skepticism when it comes to things like possession and everything like that, because a lot of times, like you know, with a psychology degree, there's a lot of times where people are saying that certain things are happening, but I'm aware that oh no, that sounds like schizophrenia. Well, there's schizophrenia. there's a fine <laughs>
1: line between I think I think mental illness and, yes. and possession are sort of like. I feel like if modern medicine doesn't work, the automatic assumption is it's exorcism presents. and it's possession. Yeah. Yeah. But if modern medicine works, then it's mental illness. And I yeah. feel like it's, it's kind a of a balance gray area. Yeah. Of when you can't explain it, you automatically assume it's the other thing.
0: Well, exorcism of Emily Rose is a, is a, um, a prime example of those two going head to head and there being no evidence that she had a mental illness and mm-hmm. instead there was a potential of her actually being possessed. Mm-hmm. So that's why I love that movie. Um Even back in school, uh, I did one of my uh, abstracts on that movie because that was the first time for me there was an argument between mental health and demonic possession. Mm-hmm. And it was in the, in, because it's based on a true story. So in the real story... um you know, they showed all the the evidence of her being abused and all these other things. But they said that medicine, had it been used, it wouldn't have worked because she didn't show any signs of multiple personality disorder, schizophrenia, mm-hmm. um, dissociative identity disorder. Like she showed no signs of that. So therefore, it's like you're saying she had mental issues, but. Everything you just listed, she didn't have any symptoms of it. Mm -hmm. So, that I mean, for me, that was an interesting thing, but yeah, I the the otherworldly, all that stuff is, um, it's just always been a part of me, and I don't know for one reason or another, it's just always been there, Mm -hmm. but again, I have a healthy level of skepticism where it's like I don't believe everything. Yep. Like I've never seen a ghost. There might be experiences that I've had but like I kind of shut them out too. Um, I'm very sensitive so it's like there are things that I may pick up on at times but I downplay also. Yeah. But I always say it's like if you really want to figure out if your place is haunted talk to a kid or a pet. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Because cats and dogs they're usually very um they're very observant or they can see things. And then little kids, you know. I'm just
1: imagining you having a conversation with a cat right. or a like, dog. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, what's going on, Fifi? <laughs> <TV? laughs> Tell me everything. Where are they? Um, but yeah, it's 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 like again for me, it's like I believe it, but at the same time, I don't believe everything. Yeah. Um But yeah, it's 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 there for me. It's in my life. There have been things that I can't necessarily explain. Um, even if I try to downplay it, it's like, why do that? Mm-hmm. This world is big as shit. So yeah. it's like, you know, I want to end this on a good note. Let me see if I can find some some a trivia. Because like, okay. I wrote something down. I'm like, let me see.
1: Uh, I just want to say thank you for having me. This has been fun.
0: Dude, <laughs> I want to say thank you for
1: coming because... You're welcome. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, does your mom have the same last name as you? Yes, Frizell. Frizell, mm-hmm. take that, Miss Frizzell. <laughs> Suck on that. <laughs> I bet I beat you on this. I'm just kidding. I love you.
0: She's gonna kick your
1: ass. Cowboys forever.
0: <laughs> Cowboys forever. <laughs> um, so you're going to Sleepy Hollow. Let's end on that. You're you're going to check out Sleepy Hollow, or were uh, you? I usually. So
1: I I've I've only been in L. A. for about ten months now.
0: Ten months. Um,
1: okay. I. Grew up in New Jersey, and I've been in New York for prior to these 10 months. I've been in New York for 11 or 12 years. Okay. Um, and every year, when I was younger, uh, you know, teenager, uh, college, I would dress up every year, and yeah. I would be elaborate as shit with my costumes. Nice. And then at some point, I stopped. And I'm going to get back to it at some point, maybe when I have kids, but I, uh, I stopped, and I started going to... Scary places, yeah, for Halloween. So Sleepy Hollows in New York. So I was like, yeah, fuck it, I'll go there. So Sleepy Hollow became one of those places that I sort of go to every year. Yeah, and they have a lot of cool things there. And if you're into Washington Irving's story and love and her. his history, <laughs> yep, <laughs> and into the history of all the books and you know the legend of Sleepy Hollow, Ichabod Crane, the Headless Horseman. If you're into any of that stuff, um, it's a really really great time to go any time of the year. I'm so and, jealous, and it's awesome to even better to go during Halloween and in October. Um, uh, so I'm heading back to the East coast. Are you going to at least try it? Maybe I, go? Of course, yeah. Okay. Of course. I feel like Hell I yeah. have to, but, okay. but yeah, I, I recommend it. It's not, it's not like a haunted place, like Salem, uh, Williamsburg, New Orleans. Like those are like haunted. Like I go to those, Salem. Are, those are technically considered haunted places. Yeah. This is more of an attraction place. I wouldn't okay. call it a haunted place.
0: Yeah. Because um, like a crate, never got murdered. Right. You, uh, I don't know.
1: Depends on what version of the legend you believe.
0: You're right. Well, we also enjoy Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Like, that's I one did. of our favorite uh, stories. Every too. Halloween,
1: I watch John Carpenter's Halloween and I watch uh, the Disney classic, The Legend, legend of, of Sleepy, Sleepy Hollow. Hollow. Yep. It was meant to Which be. Which blows away Tim Burton's, by the way. It blows oh. it away. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm more scared of a cartoon Headless yeah. Horseman than I am of Christopher Walken.
0: The audio, the audio tape. You remember the audio tape back in the day? Mm-hmm. That to me is like. That scared me. I got I, I got some that. trivia
1: for you. In the cartoon. Yeah. Who narrates the legend of Sleepy Hollow? Come on, big fan. Let's we'll see what you got. William Shatner. Nope. Come on. It came out in like the sixties or the fifties. Judy Garland. Bing Crosby. Love him. her.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I just love the story. I've always loved the story. Um and it was great to, like, actually stumble across
1: somebody who actually enjoys it as much as I do. Because I'm like, oh, I'm not alone. The two horror stories that defined who I am as a person, not just a filmmaker, yeah. are Washington Irving's The Legend of Sleepy Hollow yeah. and Agatha Christie's And Then There Were None. Those two stories changed everything for me.
0: Really? Mm-hmm. I think Legend of Sleepy Hollow was mine and... <sighs> my own life horror story. Um, <laughs> those basically are, uh, uh, those are the best teachers of who I am. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah, dude, it was so good to have you, man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you being here. And it's, I, I think it's great. It's a, it sets a nice tone for anyone else that I have on this show. um, Good luck, assholes. Good luck. Good luck stepping up to this. Yeah, you got some big shoes to fill, you little shits. Yeah. Um, But yeah, man, is there anything you want to leave these people with? When can they expect the documentary to come out? What's up?
1: The documentary's probably going to come. I I believe they just announced that they're making a seventh paranormal activity, so we're going to try to drop the film the documentary about the whole franchise probably a month or so before that movie comes out, which is I think it's expected to come out in October of 2020. Okay. So hopefully September of 2020. But yeah. it's really TBD. It could come out at any point next year i um, just letting
0: the casting directors of Paranormal Activity know. Uh, I believe Terry Taylor is the casting director. Terry Taylor. I am ready to audition. Um, I am SAG. I have ghost
1: experiences. I like to bake. Um, well, you've seen me. the Paranormal Activity movies, right? Oh, hell yeah. Aside from the marked ones, the spinoff one that they did. Uh, they're all white, so I don't think you have a chance. So Terry Teller, if you're looking to
0: change things up, um,
1: I'm I, here. I actually think that they're gonna reboot the series. I don't think they, I don't think they have a story to tell to keep going forward. I think they're gonna reboot the series and if I guess yeah. they're probably gonna make it more not black (laughs) no more black I think they're gonna put people of color in it and make it more what you actually see today as opposed to I mean it's the same issue that Scream Scream and Paranormal Activity have the same issue Um, it's rich white people in these fucking phenomenal houses yeah not like the people that you see every single day fucking LA yeah so so, uh, hopefully it'll give us a little bit more of a diverse paranormal activity look I'm ready
0: Um, cast me I'm the shit, <laughs> period. <laughs> but, yeah, Joe, thank you for having me as your interviewee, interviewer. Thank you for right. having me as your
1: interviewee.
0: Yeah, buddy. <laughs> uh, have a safe trip and uh, bring me back something from Sleepy Hollow or Haunted or Apple Cider Donuts. I'm not picky or whatever.
1: Fair enough. Yeah. Um, or
0: else I'm gonna be pissed, and I'm gonna tell LAX to not let you back here.
1: I have to be careful about the apple cider donuts, though, because my trainer is a fucking dick. Yeah, and he, your is a piece of shit. He will not like if I'm eating that kind of stuff. So. Very
0: true. You don't have to eat it, but you could give it
1: to me. Okay, yeah. I think I think my trainer will be okay with that. <laughs>
0: All right, guys, we're out of here. Of course, sleep tight and uh, look forward to the Paranormal Activity documentary if you're a Paranormal Activity fan um, or if you're a horror fan. Some stuff to check out. And Joe will definitely have some projects in the pipeline that you guys could tune into. If you haven't already, check out Seclusion. Check out Hell House. Uh, There's three movies, like you said, is on Shutter. And, um, yeah, get your fills. It's Halloween, so... Stop effing around and go watch some movies, some good movies. Uh, And, yeah, it's my boy. So even more of a reason for you to check it out. Don't make me mad. Simple math. (laughs) Later, guys.